Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, the John Deere Classic produced a strangely awkward Sunday ending with some fireworks as well, too. Uh, Plus, we're getting into a little bit of live golf drama and great drama at the U.S. Women's Open with an American champion at Pebble. We're tuned into the Bear and a brand new social media platform review. And this week's guests, our most recurring guest and friend of the show, Elizabeth Diane Veith. New name, but new life and golf updates and her travels from her as well, too. Plus, another viral catering launch has occurred, and we get into Irish food a little bit more when we always end with food. All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. Desert Fox Golf is great because they make the phone caddy. They make golf towels. They make swing aid tumblers and basically everything else you need as cart companions, including their cigar holder as well. These are all great things that you could have for any large-scale golf event or friends and family outing or anything of the life. So whenever you are ordering Desert Fox Golf products for your outing, just know that they can be customized and be sure to tell them the Course of Life sent you. If you order at least 100 pieces, you will get a $100 cash referral just for telling them that we at Course of Life sent you. That's right. They're that friendly and they're giving this away for any group or event sales that you have coming up. If you work at a club or you know a club that's having a lot of events, this is a great opportunity for you as well. So again, check out DesertFoxGolf.com for their array of products and be sure to tell them that Course of Life sent you if you're planning your next event and you want to give some great swag gifts away check out everything from desert fox golf interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex and alex it was the uh, usual snooze fest of the john deere classic at tpc <laughs> it was it was a snooze fest except for sunday when it when we were all on the edge of our seats for a potential uh 56 watch <laughs> sure yeah i mean you could you could have put whatever number you wanted to on it um through about 11 or 12 holes for sep straka who did end up winning the tournament it was just an awkward transgression of events usually that guy who's posting the good the low number is like within a few groups of the lead straka was nowhere near the lead yeah. so he comes in with a 62 featuring 11 birdies and a double bogey at 18 yeah sits in the clubhouse <laughs> for over two hours and still wins the the tournament without a playoff yeah just just crazy that double bogey is got a sting i feel like this is well, we had the 59 painful. the 58 watch was there you know yeah. what i mean just throw that thing over on the right side of the green give yourself a run at 59 i mean that, that was a wild moment for him with all that success that's golf in a nutshell for you the yes, guy can make 11 is. birdies in 17 holes mike he can step up to the 18th and look like an amateur just like us and throw in the drink and make a double but nonetheless <laughs> it didn't hurt him he gets his second career win so impressive stuff right so sep straka the austrian is he on the Ryder cup team Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, he could be part of the conversation for sure. I mean, these PGA Tour wins this time of year, when you start looking at the selection process, they become all the more important. I I didn't get my winner. I was going for three in a row. I had Adam Shank and Peter Quest and Denny McCarthy all around the league, but Straka proved that, that he had enough birdies in the bag to, to get it done, and it was enough. No one caught him, and as for the Ryder Cup, I'm going to put his chances at about maybe like 30 35%. Probably going to have to be a captain's pick, I think. Okay. All right. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's turn our attention, though, to where the fun was really had all weekend, and that was at Pebble 
Beach, where the U.S. Women's Open was, and what a weekend it was. And an American claimed the title, Allison Corpus, her first LPGA title, the first American in 20 years Crazy. to make their first LPGA title at the U.S. Women's Open. So she claims the major, this Hawaiian gets two million dollars nice the purse. richest prize ever at an lpga major championship love to see the hughes per- person Great. prize there love that yeah. love that so nice. she joins the likes of jack nicholas tom watson and tiger woods who have won open championships at pebble beach oh that's a good little list to be on yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> i would i would go ahead and screenshot that list and i'd blow it up and just put it in a gigantic frame in my living room and, and just yeah. have myself listed to those three names forever uh, that's a great crowning achievement in her career no matter what she does from here but yeah you mentioned it uh first win as the u.s open as an american at pebble beach yeah pretty epic way to get on the board and the crazy connection you said she's from hawaii mike yeah. it was michelle Wee's final U.S. Women's Open. It was. That's Allison true. Corpus went to the same high school in Hawaii that Michelle Wee went to. Talk, uh, talk about a changing of the guard moment right there for women's golf. Uh, so maybe that's the the predictor of good things for Corpus in, in the next yeah. few years. To and come. Corpus also broke uh, Wee West's record of being the youngest player to qualify for a U.S. Women's Amateur public links as a ten year old. So she's done some other oh, nice. things that we thought Michelle Wee West was going to have great success and she had great success. So is Corpus the next Michelle Wee? That's I mean, yeah, I think uh, candidly though, I think Corpus might want, want to win another major. And remember Michelle, Wee only got one. She just got yeah. that one U S women's open about a decade or so ago. Um, so we'll see what Corpus's future is, but hey, she's on tour for at least the next few years now after that gigantic win. Impressive. It's also, I also want to call it Rosang real quick while she did not really get in the mix there in the top because there was a big, big separation in the top 10. It was like 10 strokes or something. Um, she got ninth place, top tens in her first two majors as a pro. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm still giving her like, I know she kind of collapsed a little bit on the weekend. She's still getting like a three to four month hall pass from me for winning in her pro debut. That, that, Mm. that just kind of trumps everything for me for the, for the moment. So I'm still letting it slide. And yeah, like you said, two, two top tens in your first two majors. I I think she's going to find her way into the winner's circle, uh, for a major championship. Not a very bold prediction at all from us there. Yep. All right, let's uh, go across the pond. The DP World Tour was in Denmark. And uh, let's talk about the Hoygaard twins. Yes, that's right. And one of those names that circulates on this podcast, whatever, maybe six to 12 months or so. We, we've we've had them in our lexicon for a couple years, so we can't say we're surprised because we've been charting these twins, Mike. Did twins and golf, always a fascinating thing. And it mm-hmm. was Rasmus Hoygaard. Uh, over at the uh, Maiden Himmerland event in Denmark, Copenhagen area for the DP World Tour, who got the win there. His fourth win, so four wins for Rasmus, two for Nikolai. Uh, Nikolai's in the Barbasol this week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Nicholas and Rasmus, Mike, the, the best twins probably in, in golf in recent memory? They got to be. The quarters aren't twins, so I'm, I'm saying they're the best twins in golf right now. Could be indeed. Yeah, Never impressive. Know. All right, let's uh, talk a little live golf. They were in London at the Centurion Club for uh, their their London thing. And you hey, watched five hours each day and every day, of right? Of course I, I did. And then I followed it up with episodes of, um, I don't know, what's playing on the CW these days? Um, <laughs> Family Feud reruns. Family Feud uh, Charmed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. But hey, uh, Camp Smith wins. Is he looking good to repeat at the Open Championship in two weeks? 
Yeah, that's a pretty good narrative. I'm not going to lie. I know, you know, you can you can call <laughs> these live events whatever you want in terms of, you know, degree of competition comparing to the PGA Tour. But listen, he is winning pretty consistently. He's keeping very good form. He's one of the few guys that is keeping very good form on the live tour. So, yeah, as defending champion, he, he definitely is staying on the short list for, for, for a week from now. But, of course, there's only one member in live golf who has been a member and has won a major championship as a member. That, of course, is Brooks Kepka. Yep. And he had some... Some words Liddy threw down uh, this past week about fellow teammate Matthew Wolf, and he said, uh, you know, some pretty some pretty damning things during this interview, saying, "I'm not a big fan of that." That being when you quit on a round, mm. said, "quote You don't work hard. It's very tough. It's very tough to have even like a team dynamic." where you've got one guy that won't work, one guy's <laughs> not going to give any effort, he's going to quit on the course, break clubs, get down, bad body language, it's very tough. I've basically given up on him. A lot of talent, but I mean the talent's wasted. A, a fascinating dynamic from Brooks Kepka. You know, yeah. I just, I didn't quite picture Brooks Kepka as being the morale boosting, let's get the team going <laughs> type of guy, Mike. He doesn't, he doesn't really ooze that type of personality. But I yeah. guess he's trying to make it happen for his uh, what Smash GC or the the team he's part of. Um, I he's, don't know, it, it seems yeah. like he's like the team leader, and he's been trying to organize these workouts. Matt Wolf keeps bailing on him. He's bailing on his game. I don't know. They're just they're not vibing together. It sounds like a breakup is imminent. Yeah, Matt Wolf had some words back a little bit, but definitely some high drama uh, on the live team circuit. Um, this was the kind of kind of juicy gossip that we were looking to see a little bit more of, if nothing else, from the live yeah. golf outside of the golf itself. So uh, we're getting headlines, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean Matthew Wolf has had some documented mental health challenges on and off right, the yeah. course, which may play into this as well. I, I'm I'm really surprised that from what it sounded like is Wolf then released a statement saying pretty much this came out of left field. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of like that. That's not very professional, maybe coming from Brooks Kepka, But this is something you expect to see out of what the NBA and the NFL. It's, not, it is very kind golf. of this league <laughs> NBA free agent drama. It is. And yeah. I, I think that's the intriguing thing that you, you really could add to the future of, of when this merger does come to fruition. These team competitions is the idea that there could be movement between teams, the idea that there could be off seasons where teams are shifted and players are brought in and out of the team competition. That could really create a lot of interesting off-the-course headlines in the future of the, game, the professional game. If you want to stay in the news and stay on the bottom-line ticker on SportsCenter, uh, that's definitely going to be one way to do it in the future. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Only the top 24 players on Liv's money list are guaranteed spots in Liv for the next season. Wolf I don't is number that. 20. Wolf is number 27. Mm, yeah, I don't think he's going to crack that top 24. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think so either. All right, let's look ahead to what's happening this weekend. Yep, it's a double feature, Mike. We got two events, two previews, loaded week here in the golf world. I love it. That's right. We got the Scottish Open, which is where everyone's actually going to be paying attention. Right. And we got the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky, which is just kind of like you win and you get to go to the Open. So it's also a lot of drama going on there. Exactly. Hey, if nothing else, I like that there's the one golden ticket. You know what I mean? At the Barbersall. That's fun. That does have me tuning in on Sunday after the open, the Scottish Open finishes. The nice part is you get the morning afternoon combo for the pro golf fans out there on the men's side. You get the Scottish Open coverage in the morning in the US and the afternoon. You can watch the Barbersall in full. So yeah, obviously the loaded fields at the Scottish Open. Uh, we saw Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth with the wives at Wimbledon this past yep. weekend. So they've already made their way over there. They were very dapperly dressed uh, and they're all going to be in the field. It looks pretty loaded. 
noted, I think I saw pretty much everyone except John Rahm is playing the Scottish Open this week. Yeah, Patrick Cantley, Scotty Scheffler, Tommy Fleetwood, Xander, Terrell Hatton, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Ricky, Rory. Uh, it's it's a long list. Rasmus Hoygaard is playing, of course. Yep, Justin Rose, out. Shane Lowry. I, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to maybe want to pick someone here. I feel like the, the heater that Scotty Scheffler is on, you want him to peak not this week, but next week, and figure out that putting. He's only been beaten by 14 other golfers in his last six starts out of a potential 858. Mm, I like that. Good little note. Thanks for the statistic there. Um, let me let me butter our bread a little bit, too, as well. Mm. You, you know who I'm really rooting for in the next couple weeks? Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean he, Rory just... We just want Rory to win something. Yeah, that would that would be nice for us. We're just we're trying to foreshadow something that's out there in the future, and that would be really cool to see Rory or Shane maybe lift a trophy here in the next couple of weeks. So watch out for those guys as well. And yeah, loaded field like you mentioned. My, my name, you can check out the full Run Your Pool preview for the Scottish before we get to the Barbasol. My name for the Scottish Open, Mike, is Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, this guy mm. is freaking overdue to win a tournament. Yeah. He he has finished in in playoffs. He's finished in top fives and tens. He finished in the top five here last year year like how in the hell is he not in contention this week so that that's my one thought for this week in the scottish open yeah indeed so let's look at the barbasol championship uh i mean not as strong a field the Slim strongest pickings. guy in the world rankings of the tier is lucas lover I don't like Lucas Lover. My top pick is Taylor Pendrith, who's leading mm. the betting favorites right now, a Canadian that's won the PGA Tour. It's had some decent form, and he played well here last year. But yeah, I, I'm going to encourage everyone to read my preview because you're going to see some new names for who I'm picking. A lot of young guns and fresh faces out there. And, and my only hint is I've got the I've got the other twin as well, motivated mm. by Rasmus to potentially play well in Kentucky. So again, check out runyourpool.com uh, for both of the the full betting previews for those events. And of course, the good thing with the Barbasol is then you get the super fast, get on a plane and fly across the world so you can go play in the open. So I love that. I love it when the the Barbasol champion is just like a fish out of water. They're like a champagne <laughs> ball or two deep and they land at the open. And they're just like, what, 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 what just happened to me? It's, it's a yeah. great sight to see. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to Tuned In, where we share what we're tuning into outside of the world of sports. I've been putting a lot of time into threads, Alex. And I, I noticed I'm sure that. you have yeah. as well. Wow, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Twitter of Instagram, if you will. You know, I don't feel quite so dirty when I'm using threads. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm selling my soul uh, to someone that doesn't care about me and only cares about the dollar and is flushing them down the drain at the same time. So the so Twitter, instead, so yeah, it's the Twitter, it's the Instagram, Twitter, really. Basically, yes, it is. And the Twitter experience has changed a lot recently. For, so I always love Twitter for breaking news and live tweets and finding things on the go. Uh, they had the tweet limit controversy. I don't really even know where that yeah. sits now, but it hasn't bothered me. But I, unfortunately, my Twitter feed just suddenly turned to like uh, 90% politics and like 8% like brutal fights where people are beating the crap out of each other. And then the other 2% is like actually what I wanted to see on Twitter. So it was good timing for threads to come into our life. I, I'm just getting the vibe, and, and we'll hear about it a little bit in our conversation with our guest this week as well, too. I'm just getting the vibe that like our our people and just our Instagram friends and our, our crowd over there is much more so on threads. So uh, I'm liking the vibes early on threads, and I'm, I'm also posting some uh, some juggling as well, too, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, I, I think my, my favorite thing about threads, which is what's been a struggle with going to any other new so, you know, Twitter 
thing or thing like Twitter is yeah. that with threads, you you have all your Instagram followers already. So it's really easy to just transition and you have your audience and we have people to listen to. And of course, we we never, for whatever dumb reason, we never had a course of life official Instagram on Twitter or of right. course of life official official account on Twitter. We do on threads. I'm I'm posting there trying to say something every once in a while. So definitely come on there, give us a follow. On threads, if you're not already on Instagram, you should be doing a two col podcast. Uh, we'll talk some stuff. Ask a question, we'll answer it. Yeah, I'm doing some weird stuff on there, and I got three th- thoughts a day as well. My three thoughts thread, so you can check us out there. Follow us on uh, threads. As far as my tuned in, Mike, it's a show that I've mentioned on here because it's a rarity, and you know me, I'm like one of the biggest anti binge guys in the world. So when yep. I cruise through a season of a show. In a week's time, that's when you know something's very exciting to watch. And I've been all in on season two of The Bear. You remember me highlighting season one um, featuring the restaurant industry in a really cruel, intense um, very interestingly filmed way. Season two is all about the process of opening up a restaurant. So those final weeks leading up to opening up a brand new restaurant concept from the friends and family dinner to all the permitting and everything that goes through actually opening up a restaurant, like very high stress, high drama moments in season two of the bear, but I've been enjoying every minute of it. Yeah. You know, I, I started watching the bear. I really enjoyed it. And just, I just never went back to it because it's one of those shows that I feel like I need to be in the mindset for. It's a fully just, engrossed show, yes. Yeah, you, you got to be ready to pay attention, and I just haven't been ready to pay attention. <laughs> the good news is you kind of know enough because you've seen a few episodes. You could actually yeah. just skip to season two, episode one, and just know that the same gang is is trying to open up that new restaurant concept, and you just, you, you've got the service industry experience to know yeah. what a shit show that could be. Uh, so it leads to some interesting television. So definitely check out season two of The Bear if you haven't already. All right, let's get into this week's guest. Uh, she's been on the show a lot. It's, it's, I've lost uh, count, actually. I think we, we can maybe even say that she is our unofficial third host. I like that. And that is Elizabeth Diane Veith. Yeah, she's got a new name as well, too. Nice pronunciation. Mm. Congrats to her on her marriage uh, last year. And we love catching up with Elizabeth, not only because of the great work that she does in the veteran golfing community, but she does a lot of really cool golf travel content. I figured, Mike, you know, we're heading on a trip here, so we might as well bring the experts in as we get ready for this thing and we start packing. Uh, so always great having Elizabeth back on the show, and she provides some really awesome insight on her life in a bucket list course that she played as well, too. Mm, can't wait to hear it. But first, let's talk to you about our friends at the Live Take app. This is where sports debates are solved once and for all. We do uh, a weekly Live Take challenge where we record a five-minute take between the two of us and argue over what we think is right. Yep. And I'm going to give you an example of what we did last week. We said, who's the GOAT, Tom Brady or Joey Chestnut? A fantastic and, question to ask, too. And I'm looking at the results right now, Alex. Okay. We had uh, plenty of people vote on this. They said that I was right. Joey Chestnut is the GOAT. See, that's the beauty of this. The beauty of the Live Take app is it's not up to what just you and I say and who yells the loudest. It's about the people voting on the app. So not only can you participate and launch your own takes, but you can check out everyone else's takes and let your voice and your vote be heard. That that's the beauty of what we're doing at Live Take. And and, and for you and I, we can just, you know, get some stress off too and just lay our yeah, takes out for everyone. That's as well. true. 
That's true. So you can check us out on Live Take. It's uh, Course of Life Alex and Course of Life Michael on their challenges. Check out the challenges we do every week. We'll have a new one up there this week as well. And check it out on your app store. It's Live Take. Check it out and download it and let your take be heard. Next up on the tee from Colorado, our favorite recurring guest checking in with life and golf updates as well. She's always got the best travel plans and great destinations that she's checking off. And a new name joining us as well, too. It's Elizabeth Diane Veith on The Course of Life. Elizabeth, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to hear from you again. You last came on in the fall of 2022. And obviously, you're still checking off a bunch more top 100 courses, going to all the greatest destinations that there are. Um, So I got to talk about the most recent trip that I just saw, where you went out to the central coast of California. Um, Before we get into kind of the specifics of the golf there, for people who don't know just kind of about the hotbed of courses that are in and around that central California area, what, what was that area and the experience like for you going there? Yeah, so that area is amazing. I have been to that area before um, when I golfed Pebble, but uh, that area just has rich history, not only for golf, but um, just also from a travel standpoint. Uh, Monterey area is amazing. It's such a fun spot to go visit um, with great food, things to do outside of golf. But of course, the highlight, if you were going there as a golfer, is the courses. Yeah. Um, so they're all just like uniquely structured, uh, alongside the Bay and I'll let you take us through the highlights of each one, but I wanted to touch on Monterey Peninsula first. One of those courses where we get glimpses of it every once in a while and it shows up in every single travel publication. I, I feel like the photos and videos just don't quite do it justice though. Um, what took you back the most about that course and all of its beauty? Yeah. So Monterey Peninsula country club is, it's amazing. Um, the uh, views on both the shore course and the dunes course are pretty much to die for. I, I will be honest, they are not my favorite ocean views in that area. And I'll get to that here in a moment. Okay. Um, but um, they, uh, it's just absolutely spectacular. Um, you can see my favorite golf course from one of the tee boxes. It's the highest on the dunes course. Um, so, uh, or excuse me, the shore course. And, um, it's a fun par three that you can actually get up and view, uh, the entire peninsula area with 17 mile drive, um, right there as well as you've got a 360 panoramic view of not only, um, you know, Monterey, uh, the coastline, but also a couple other courses, which is really cool. It's, a uh, elevated tee box. We see it in the AT&T Pro-Am. And it's a rock structure that you actually climb up to tee off of. So um, it's a pretty famous one um, that a lot of people know about. And that was really the highlight outside of all of the views. I would say every single hole on that course, minus the couple when you're getting started out, um, have ocean views, which is spectacular. It's something about, what is it, maybe hole 15 or 16? Uh, what is it about that special part of the stretch of that course and, and what makes that those views so unique out there? Yeah, so Cypress 15, 16. Um, yeah. Honestly, that is my favorite stretch of uh, holes that I have played thus far. And what makes it so special is, uh, number one, it's kind of tucked in there. You know, you come down 13, um, and, uh, 14 and it is, you know, you see the ocean, you see where you're headed, but you turn the corner for 15 
and you can see 16 out on the water and it is absolutely breathtaking. Um, it is one of the coolest walks in golf. Um, that is kind of what it's dubbed. And I totally agree. I think it is absolutely spectacular. Um, being able to walk that knowing from a history standpoint, the greats of golf that have walked that exact walk before me, um, absolutely just gave me goosebumps. It was the coolest experience ever. So 16 is, um, the famous, uh, par three. So it's a par three, uh, back to back on 15 and 16 at Cyprus. And, um, Marion Hollister, who is, um, excuse me, Marion Hollis is, is one of the golf greats from a female standpoint that we really don't hear a lot about. Um, which it was really cool to hear the history of, of how she designed that hole because she stepped up right at the edge of where the, uh, forward tee, tee box is currently. And she hit it to the middle, uh, essentially on the green where the green is now and said, Hey, I want this to be a part three. And that's how it was. That's how it became a part three. Um, so she, I know is got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of golf history, but not a lot of people talk about her unless you are on, um, you know, the architecture side of the house or, or really know the history behind Cyprus. So that was really cool. I actually teed it up the exact spot that she, um, you know, hit from. So that was really a cool historical moment for me, um, as well as it's a tough par three. You've got to go over water. You've got the ocean right there. You actually go out on the ocean. So the whole green is um, really out uh, in the elements of the ocean. And so is the tee box for uh, 17. So it is such a cool hole. It is absolutely beautiful. You can hear the waves, you know, crashing. Um, there's seagulls, there's sea lions. It's, it's a really, really cool um, hole. It is my favorite hole in the game of golf of uh, all the courses that I've had to play so far. Yeah, what a picture indeed. That's a great story about Marianne Hollis too. You know, when, when a decisive woman is out on the golf course and she knows what she wants, she's going to get it. So I, I appreciate yes. that. She designed that hole right on the spot. And it's one of the most unique uh, landscapes. So did you stay dry on that hole at least? How, how'd you do on that part three? I did not, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that speaks for a lot of us out there. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, it was, it, it's a very tough tee shot. Um, and, uh, it was a little windy. The wind picked up when we were teeing off. So unfortunately, um, my ball got um, picked up by the wind and, and made it into the ocean, but it's a, it was really cool to have that historical tee shot happen. And just to say, Hey, I've actually played there. Number one and two, um, that I've been able to tee it up where she teed it up. Very cool. Yeah. And obviously that whole coastline of courses there, you mentioned Positiempo as well too. And it's, it's hot headlined by Pebble Beach, which everyone at home knows. Um, really cool to see. We just have the U.S. Women's Open in the rear view hosted at Pebble. What was like that, that like from a viewing experience? I know you enjoy viewing the game on TV. So having the women play at such an iconic track, I feel like it was really long overdue and a, and a good sign for the game as well. Yes, it was very long overdue. Uh, I absolutely think this is something that um, needed to happen before now, but I am very glad that it is happening um, now. I think there's been a lot of viewership that has just peaked because of the fact that it's at Pebble Beach, um, either for the fact of they, you know, a lot of people have been able to go out and play it. So they know the course, they know the holes, but also the history at Pebble. Uh, and then second to that is just being able to have a U.S. Women's Open there. Um, and you know, we see it a lot on the PGA Tour side of the house with the AT&T Pro-Am and other events um, like a U.S. Open that has been there in the past. Yep. 
But to, to be able to see these ladies tee it up, it's just been so cool to watch. Um, it, there's been a lot of shots too where I'm like, oh, wow, like I've been over there in that hole. Um, let's see what she does here. So it's been really cool to see. And I think that's one of the coolest draws to having uh, um, the U.S. Uh, Women's Open there at Pebble is because a lot of people can relate to it because they've played it or they've seen those holes um, before, whether that's playing on a simulator or whether that's, you know, pictures of, you know, just anywhere, um, especially the iconic, you know, hole number seven, um, from a par three standpoint, you know, you know, that hole. And so it's really cool to see, you know, how they're tackling things and, and where their, um, where their strategy is coming into play this week. Mm, very interesting indeed. It's been a, it's been a fun watch. Um, in terms of, I'm curious what your 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 perspective is like as a golf on TV viewer. There's lots of choices these days. When when you look at just this past weekend, you know we had the John Deere Classic, the U.S. Women's Open, the Live Event, the DP World Tour. Um, there's streaming services providing golf at a record rate now. It's re- it's changing the way that we watch almost every single shot on demand. But what's your your golf on TV experience like these days? Do, do you find yourself you know watching it in clips? Do you like watching? extended broadcasts and kind of where you sit on, on everything that's being shown in terms of golf uh, broadcast these days? Yeah. So I'm kind of all over the board. It depends on what my weekend looks like. So um, this weekend has been very much clips and been when I'm not out on the course, um, you know, sitting down maybe for an hour or two and catching up on, on where, um, where the play is at um, with all the different events. Um, so if it's a busy weekend for me and I'm out on the course, it is very much clips. It's very much streaming it, um, while I'm, you know, playing myself. Um, but if it's a quieter weekend and I don't have, um, golf on the books, it's very much, uh, I will sit down and watch an entire round, um, you know, on TV or stream entire rounds. Um, so it's been really cool to actually have the option of both. I think it allows a lot more flexibility, especially for, um, golfers like myself who know they're going to be out on the course that weekend, they can stream yep. it on your phone. You can get clips. You can still be up to date on what's happening um, and, and play the game yourself. Definitely. I love catching up with you and getting your perspective on different current events. Obviously, we've just undergone the entire mess that's been the now PGA Tour and Live merger. But the bottom line of it, without getting into the screwy politics of it all, is for golf fans, it's very intriguing because we potentially see a whole new stretch of formats or types of tournaments unfold here in the coming months or years. And we're all excited to see what that potentially looks like. Selfishly, as a golf fan, what do you think about maybe what the future of, you know, PGA Tour and Live Golf being together might look like? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be awesome um, together. I do think there's a couple questions that you know need to be answered in regards to team play. Are we keeping the team play because Live has that currently? Are I'd we like integrating to, yeah. that? Yeah, I, I would like to as well. Um, that's one thing that it's been really cool to watch those events and actually have that team aspect. Um, especially from a logo standpoint, I mean, you can buy the team swag. It's, you know, you've got somebody, not only a player to cheer for, but it's now a group, um, to cheer for. And it's been kind of cool to see the dynamics of how the teams have, uh, come into play. But I I know from a historical standpoint, you know, the PGA tour has not had that in their events. So that's one question I have of what is that going to look like? I I would like to see them integrated in some way. But I think that means that we're going to have to see uh, a different type of tournament where it is that team play, um, you know, similar to what we've seen in the past from like a match play standpoint, but with the team. 
um, and, and having that be a total team play uh, event. Yeah. Um, that's really how I see things going. If we want to integrate that and keep that going, um, and then have your historical, you know, events like us opens, like the masters. I mean, those really aren't going to change in my mind, um, based on, uh, based on the integration piece, but they, they might, I don't think they will, but, um, especially since those are really, you know, run from a USGA standpoint. So I think those are going to stay very much historical format as we've seen it. Um, but I would be interested to see the team play come in as well. Um, the other thing, the dynamic that's going to be very interesting to watch is to see how these live players are welcomed back um, and how they're integrated back just from a culture standpoint. I know there has been a lot of us versus them, regardless of which side of the aisle that you're sitting yeah. on. They're pretending um, to be so, pretty friendly right now. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know how authentic it is, but we'll see. <laughs> yes. And that's something that I'm really intrigued uh, to see is – is it really going to be that friendly as we are seeing it um, you know, try to be on social media or that they're projecting that it is going to be? Or are we going to see a lot more banter? Are we going to see a lot more quote-unquote rivalries come out of this? Um, which I-, I think there might be. I think there might be a-, a little bit of blood in the water in regards to the first couple events, uh, which could be very intriguing because it might be this whole... Um, you know, Bryson versus Brooks kind of dynamic again, um, yeah. but really not between those two, between a couple other, um, you know, players, whether that's on the PGA Tour or Live, and, you know, how are they going to be reacting to this? Um, Maybe like a other, little uh, Tiv Phil Mickelson team versus Rory yeah. McIlroy team head to head or something, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I mean, we were all kind of joking, but not joking that we would love to see, you know, Live first PGA tour and, and kind of see how that played out. Um, and, and I do think those dynamics might come into play, um, especially in those first couple events, if they keep the structure the way that it is. Interesting. All right, cool. Let's get to some fun stuff because I got some travel coming up. Uh, and you're one of the Queens of golf travel when it comes to social media. So we got to get your opinion. And the first question I have mainly for our Ireland trip coming up here in a couple of weeks, it's about the six day trip, Elizabeth, we got four rounds of golf. Okay. So with that in mind, what, what does packing look like for you for something like that? And how do you try and balance out golf outfits versus outfits, you know, for the rest of the trip? Yeah, great question. So I always have a rule that golf outfits take precedent because uh, those I know I can plan. So I can actually plan out, you know, looking at the weather, of course, you've got to take that into consideration. You've got to make sure you've got outer layers just in case it rains, in case it gets colder than you were anticipating because you want to be comfortable um, on the courses you're playing. But I always plan my golf outfits first. Because then it's very much a, hey, these are the four outfits that I'm taking for my four mm. rounds. They're locked in. Um, yep. I'm locked in. And usually if it's if I have a, you know, a historic course, a top 100 course, um, or a course where I know there's going to be a little bit more of a dress code in play, whether that is a stricter dress code or a more lax dress code, I take that into consideration. And I fully plan it out so that when I'm there, I don't even have to think about it that morning. I know exactly what I'm wearing for that round. Yeah. Um, so that's code. my, my, yep. My first suggestion. Um, and then, like I said, um, whether it's tough to plan, especially if you're headed to a, a colder climate than what you might currently be in, but I would say pack things like black jackets or blue jackets or things that you can layer on that could go with any of your golf outfits, regardless of what you're wearing. Um, same thing with shoes. Um, I always try to pack, you know, at, at least one or two, depending on how many rounds I'm playing. But I would say make sure that you've got 
comfy, super comfy shoes um, because you're going to have to wear them multiple days and they might be comfy one round, but they might not be comfy the next round. Mm, So make sure that you've got a little bit more options so that, you know, if you've got a blister and it's rubbing on, you know, this one spot and you only brought one pair of shoes, it's going to be awful. So make sure that you bring a couple different options there. Um, And then I always just see what room I've got left and kind of pack around that. Um, Packing for me outside of golf outfits is very much the same. I plan things out if I've got a dressier dinner, if I know that I'm going to have some downtime. Um, My one advice to everyone is make sure that you are packing something that is like comfortable that you can go grab breakfast down at the hotel or, you know, even go grab breakfast real quick somewhere um, that you have that could also be like a loungewear piece as you're relaxing and maybe after a round of golf that isn't, you know, super dressy. Mm, Yeah. Something that, you know, you can wear before and after you don't have to think about it too much. I like that. You got it. Well put. Um, uh, let's. Uh, this is the question du jour because I have an interesting scenario. We got it's the night flight over to Europe, which a lot of people encounter when they're going on longer golf trips. Um, how how are you with sleeping on planes? Do you have any tricks to sleep on planes? What's your success rate? Yeah, so I actually um, I am a good sleeper on planes. Okay, and All what right. I try to do is I try to keep my routine as much as possible, even though you're in the air. So, and that can be very tricky with a time change. Um, and with uh, a red eye. So I try to make sure that I try to get as much sleep as possible. So if you're taking off in the afternoon, and of course, it's a red eye, I try to eat um, if they're you know providing um, food, whether it's like an afternoon snack or dinner, I try to eat that pretty quickly or pretty close um, to when takeoff occurs, so that I can get as most, uh, you know, uninterrupted time yeah. as possible. Um, I, I do, you know, take a travel pillow that is not crazy, um, excessive, but it is just a little travel pillow, especially if I'm in a middle seat. My favorite is being on the window because at least I can, you know, kind of snuggle up next to the window if I don't have a lay down, um, a lay down seat. Uh, so my suggestion is try to keep that. But once you get there, I think the most important thing is to be on that time. Um, so if a, if you're landing and it is breakfast, eat breakfast. Stay up as much as possible. Try to acclimate yourself, um, and don't compare the time back to you know where home is um, <laughs> yes. because you're like, oh, it's you know it's actually 9 p.m. when it might be you know um, you know 10 a.m. depending on your time change. Um, so really make sure that you're kind of throwing yourself into whatever time zone you currently are, and that goes for you know really international travel as well as um, domestic travel. It helps your body acclimate so much more. I think our organizers did a good job with that, Elizabeth, because we're we're taking off at 9 p.m. in the U.S. We're landing at 10 a.m. in Ireland, and we're on the first tee, I think, by 1 or 2 p.m. So they're, they're not messing Perfect. around with the golf itinerary. They're getting us right into it. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Again, it's Elizabeth Diane Veith joining us here on Course of Life. Um, you can follow her, uh, LizDiane22, on Instagram. Um, always enjoy her golf travel content. Um, one thing I want to talk to before we get to some fun questions, uh, fun shift in the social media realm. You and I are always in the business of content and finding what's new. I-, I wanted to get your thoughts because you and I have jumped in pretty quickly on the Threads app development that's just launched here in the past week or so. Uh, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts on the, uh, the Twitter of Instagram? Instagram, as we're calling it right now. Yes, Twitter and Instagram is a great way to, to sum it up. I really have enjoyed it so far. I think that uh, not that we needed another social media platform, and anybody that manages social media probably <laughs> right, was yes. cringing that day um, of like, oh no, no, I have to have a strategy for this. 
But candidly, I think it's very refreshing that there isn't a strategy. Like nobody knows what they're doing on that except just sharing, um, you know, day-to-day things, thoughts, pictures, mm, videos, which that's really how social media took off. And um, it's forcing folks to be very authentic, which I always appreciate. And it's forcing them to, you know, have ideas, have conversations, have discussions, not just, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to post a pretty picture or pretty video and, you know, have interactions based off of that. It's making sure that we are talking through from a discussion forum standpoint. And that's something I've really enjoyed with it, Um, it, which I think Twitter had a little bit of. And that's kind of the idea of, you know, where this came from. But I, I really do feel like it is kind of a brush of fresh, fresh air because there's nothing from a dynamic standpoint there. It's we're creating it as it as it comes, um, which is really cool. Yeah, it is. It's a very open form right now. It's fun to see it in this infancy. I hope we can maybe freeze this conversation and hope it stays as authentic as, as it is right now for the next few years. Um, but it definitely has been enjoying to uh, to jump in on, on the Threads app for sure. So you can follow her there as well. Again, Elizabeth Diane Veith joining us. Let's do a quick this or that. All right. Um, we'll start quick with a couple of golf questions for you. Um, I'm already thinking about Lynx Golf Vibe. So l- let's say you're about five to 10 feet off the green. Do you typically prefer to putt or chip? Putt. Yeah. And then uh, around the green, if you're stuck and you're in a tough spot, would you rather be forced to hit a bunker shot green side or a flop shot? A uh, bunker shot. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to hit a lot of those in Ireland for sure. Um, top golf or simulator? What are you liking more these days? Ooh, simulator. I've, I've noticed you've been playing on a lot of simulators. You've been going to a few different locations too. What's that experience been like for you recently? Yeah, it's been great. Um, especially since we had a very rough winter in Colorado yeah. uh, this year. That is how I stayed sane in the winter time. Um, so uh, I love top golf. I think it's a super fun, um, you know, way to get folks into golf and make golf fun. But if you are trying to go out there and get around in, you know, pretty quickly as well as keep your game sharp, I really like the simulator because you get a lot of feedback. You get a lot of stats as well um, based on where you're hitting the ball, based on uh, how far. Which yes, you get that on the course, but you got to track it yourself. Um, this, you know, the simulators, a lot of them today track it for you, which is super helpful. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we'll show your Colorado sports. Like we always do. You guys are on a roll. You got your avalanche cup. Now you got a nuggets world championship with the NBA finals. So I guess what's next on your wish list? Would it be a Broncos super bowl or Rockies world series? Ooh, um, I would say Rockies world series. Um, you know, the Colorado avalanche, that is my team. So this year was a little disappointing yeah. um, for us not to go back to back from a Stanley Cup standpoint. But yeah, I would have to go Rockies for sure. Okay, cool. And then a couple food questions. A couple of interesting items that I've had at the turn recently. I'm curious which one you would pick. Because they're not normally the first things you'd pick to th- p- uh, think to eat between 9 and 10. But would you rather have a pizza or a taco at the turn? Oh, pizza all the way. Yeah, I just I went to a course here in the Austin area that's doing turn pies. They have their own pizza oven right outside by the ninth green. It, it's quite a vibe. I, I enjoyed the experience. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, 19th hole question, which we always end with. I don't know if it's changed or not, but what's a good maybe 19th hole experience or meal or clubhouse that you had recently? Yeah, so I would say it would have to be... Um, Mm, that's a good question. I'm thinking, well, I would say it would have to be probably past the tempo. Um, yeah. Their clubhouse and their restaurant is awesome. It is up high on the hill. It overlooks the course. 
Um, I had one of the best breakfast burritos that I've had there, even though it was lunch, they still were serving breakfast. So I I would say that, and, um, they made an amazing margarita. Great combo. Love it. Breakfast burrito and Mark. Elizabeth, thanks again for hopping on. Appreciate all the updates. Uh, You can check out her PXG content, all her travel content as well too, and everything else she does for veterans in the golf community. Uh, Thanks again for being a part of the show and, and we'll talk again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me. That interview was brought to you by Zencaster. You know, we've been using Zencaster forever since the very early days of this podcast. And it is something that I think is one of the most important tools we use week in and week out to give ourselves high quality audio that I know is going to be there, that I can edit with and make great sounding podcast with Alex. And it's, and it's one of those things too, that when people, when I talk to people about podcasting, I tell them right up, you have to go use Zencaster. And I've been yeah. doing this before we even decided to start doing this little promo thing with them. It's been, been doing it forever. Zencaster is great. It's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You record studio quality sound and even up to 4K video with your guests. You can feel a sense of zen knowing that Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. You can sound your best. Have you ever wondered what it sounds like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. So go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our promo code course of life and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. So head on over again to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our promo code course of life to save 30% off your first month. It's time to share your story. And we're back. Great chat there with Elizabeth. Uh, sleeping on a plane. Let's talk about this because we're we're going to be doing this. In a yeah, couple you weeks, seem Alex. very. Uh, you seem a little nervous about this, Mike. I am a little correspondus. nervous. All right. So uh, so basically, we both got we got both got night flights. Correct. What's your exact takeoff time? I'm taking off at 9 p.m. Yeah. and I'm getting to Ireland at 10 a.m. So I got a seven-hour flight in my hands. You have a much better flight time. My flight leaves at 5:30. Okay. And gets in at. Ireland time, 5 a.m. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's like an evening sleep for you. It's, it's going to be weird because it's like it's dinner time. <laughs> it so. is. and But yet hopefully we, our friends who are helping us out with coordinating everything are going to be able to get you in a position where you might get some shut eye Monday yeah, morning hope. before we that's hit the course hope. late Monday. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's the scariest thing out of this whole thing is the arrive Monday morning. And oh, by the way, Monday afternoon, we're going to go play 18 holes. You know, but you know we're going to play our best round on Monday when we're half asleep, right? <laughs> you know that that's our, exactly how the game of golf works. Not the Eagles hole in ones, double, you know, yeah. albatrosses right and left. It's going to be crazy. No thought. That, you know, right you know what the best swing thought is, Mike? Be. 
best swing thought is no swing is thought. No, That's no exactly what we're thought. gonna have That's for true. that Monday round. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have a specific, you know, cocktail or game plan for the sleep on the plane. Um I do know this is what I will say. We talk about reclining and I hate the idea of reclining my seat, but this is the one condition. Oh, it's an overnight flight. You recline your seat. I'm reclining my seat and it yeah. feels like the neighbor behind me probably will too. I don't I don't even know if it's going to be a lay down seat, but I think I'm going to be utilizing the recliner. This is maybe a one to two percent caveat where I would go ahead and say that I will. So now do you have uh, noise canceling headphones? You're going to be wearing those on the plane? I do. Yeah, I wouldn't consider them really as good as maybe the top of the line noise canceling headphones, but uh, they'll do. I, I can definitely I can fall asleep with the monotone noise of the plane engine, though. I've done that before. Mm. Um, the question is if I can do it for like more than four or five hours of the seven hour flight. I don't think I can, but that's the goal I'm shooting for. I think my quota is about four and a half hours of sleep on the plane. Yeah, I will say what I've learned from having to go to bed early to wake up at like 3 a.m. Don't watch the clock. Don't try to sit there and go like, oh, my God, I got five hours left of this flight. I need to get some sleep. Oh, my God, I got four hours left of this flight. I got to get some. It's not you're not going to get any sleep if you do that. You don't miss that early bake shift there. You don't miss that. No, I do not miss that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you like that conversation with Elizabeth, plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button. Give us a rating of your choice. The more the merrier. Uh, We love to, to have that positive feedback. If it's negative feedback. Then just go follow us on Twitter. Or threads. That's, you seem to be that. Well, no, if you give us positive feedback, I want you following us on threads and Instagram. But, okay. you know, you, you do you. do you. Uh, The podcast on Instagram and threads is COL Podcast. He's Course of Life. Alex, I'm M-W-R-I-N-C. On Twitter, he's Course of Life 1. I'm M-W-R-I-N-C. How many more weeks do you think we're going to be on Twitter here? Like a month, I don't know, maybe? actually. I'm, I'm kind of wondering that myself. I still, like I said, I, I actually sent a tweet out saying, hey, if anyone cares about my tweets or anything like that, just like react to this tweet and no one said a thing. It was crickets. So that yeah. kind of confirmed that I think I'm just checking Twitter for breaking news now and kind of posting the more day-to-day stuff on threads. That, that's kind of my thought right now. Yeah, exactly. You can also uh, check us out on YouTube. We got cool videos going up there. I think we got a new one too, right? We do. Yeah, it's about legal ways to gamble in Austin, Texas. That's right. You heard me. That that that's. I'm just going to tease the headline right there. Everyone's like, "What? What is okay. he talking about?" I'm like, okay. yeah, that's right. That's the that's the video. And we got a lot of videos planned for Ireland as well too. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk basketball, Alex, because I know you're a fan and you want to talk about the big new guy in the NBA. Summer League, Summer League, only because of one guy, the most anticipated July basketball in Las Vegas in maybe two decades since LeBron did this in 2004 or 2003. Uh, Victor Wembanyana, Mike, have you even seen this guy? Do you even know this guy's name at all? What do do you know about Victor Wembanyana? He's tall tall and lanky and there's way too much pressure on him. And that's why everyone's (laughs) so upset that he didn't do that well in his first game. And it's like, guys, come on. He's a kid. Give him a break. Nine points, uh, 19 years old, seven foot four, eight foot wingspan mike eight yeah, foot crazy. wingspan if you can wrap your head around that nine points in the first game on two for 13 shooting but he blew up in the second game with 27 so he's adjusting quickly he's got the skill set of kevin durant and he's got this speed of a guard and let's just put it this way blocks and rebounds are very easy when you're seven foot four you don't have to jump very high so he's got yeah. that going for him too been fun to watch let's talk baseball because it's the all-star break that means that uh I don't know. Stuff happens, and then there's a day when there's literally no sports whatsoever mm, anywhere. Yes. And ESPN doesn't know what to do with themselves. And that might be right now as people season. are listening. Actually, that, that might that's... be indeed. That's true. 
Yeah. Um, so the all-star game, what do we think? NLRAL, they're in Seattle. This, this, the all-star uniforms actually are really cool. They too. are fresh. Uh, I saw that. Uh, what, cool. I don't know how many Yankees are in there. We got one representative from the Red Sox and it's closer, Kenley Jansen. I don't even really think he's having an all-star season. I think it's just one of those, we're throwing you a carrot type of selections because he got his 400th mm. career save. But it's uh, it's an interesting vibe for the Red Sox at the break. It, they're five games ahead of 500 and only two games out of the wild card, yet still dead last. It's an unbelievable joke that keeps going on, still dead last in the AL East. Um, they're just in that odd spot where I don't know if they should go for it or not. And that that's the kind of purgatory that a lot of sports fans hate. And that's currently where the Red Sox sit. And I got to be honest, I think it's a pretty similar forecast right now for the Yankees at this moment. Yeah, the Yankees are a little different because Aaron Judge is out like indefinitely right now. Yeah, and yet the Yankees may be playing some of their better baseball right now without him, which is just surprising because I think last year, what, they couldn't win a they couldn't They couldn't buy a can of beans without without Aaron Judge. So yeah. They just fired their uh, hitting yeah. coach, I saw. So they're hoping to switch up the mojo there later this week off the break. But I think they're just a game ahead of the Yankees. We're, we're both just a couple of guys down at the bottom of the pile just beating up on each other because we were not strong enough to beat up on anyone else that's above us. That's, that's what's going on right now in baseball. Just remember, though, that both of us would be leaving the AL Central. <laughs> we would be. Can we switch divisions, please? <laughs> Somebody can just get more games against the AL Central. It'd be great. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's hashtag always end with food. Yep. Food segment to every, end every Course of Life podcast at Always End With Food on Instagram as well, too. couple quick items. First, let's talk about the new viral catering launch. Did you hear about what McDonald's is doing on I the did. catering front, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Donald Trump is very excited about this. <laughs> it's it's only in Indonesia, so big asterisks in context. I think it'll come to more parts of the world after this viral story, but apparently McDonald's is now rolling out different wedding catering or event catering options uh, starting around 230 bucks for 100 orders of four-piece McNuggets and 100 chicken sandwiches. That's a downright deal if you know what inflation's like in the US right now. So I don't think those prices will quite carry over to us, but um, would you be offended by a wedding catered by McDonald's. I asked this question for Chili's last time a couple months ago. Yes, I would be super offended. <laughs> I would enjoy myself, but I would be offended. <laughs> you know, as much as I love McDonald's, let's all agree, McDonald's belongs after a wedding with bad food or at the yes, end yes. of a wedding night party when you're craving one last thing before bed and it's next to your hotel. I also, think that's is, when the McDonald's hits the best on wedding. Is a McDonald's going to come in a bag? Or is it like going to be burgers in like a hotel Fancy pan? catering trays? Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the Clemson football team visiting Trump's yeah, White House. Exactly. Remember that? Just all laid yeah. out on gigantic catering trays yeah. in huge tables. Oh, what a memory indeed. So McDonald's catering, the new uh, latest viral launch. Um, and we obviously got to get into a little uh, Ireland conversation, Mike. Yeah. I, I, I'm doing a head-to-head video that I've already got planned for Instagram in the next couple of weeks where I'm comparing an Irish pub in Austin, Texas to an Irish pub in Dublin. So I went to the one here in Ireland, <laughs> also the home of Patriots football games when they're not on locally. Uh, can I, and just, I, had can a, I just stop you for a moment? Go uh, ahead. I think you just insulted the entire nation of Ireland by saying you're comparing an Austin-based Irish pub to their yep. Irish pubs. Yep. So the one <laughs> thing that BD Riley's has going for it, which is very impressive, is they actually literally got the materials for their bar brought in from Ireland, and bar makers from Ireland actually built the bar at BD Riley's. So that's pretty authentic in and of itself. The Irish breakfast and the Guinness Mike. 
Boy, that's a heavy combo. We, we got to brace ourselves for the carbon take that we're about to undergo in a couple of weeks. The Irish, they don't play around with their carbon take in their meals. That's all I got to so say. So you, you had a Guinness for breakfast, right? <laughs> just, just, just a nice and a hearty start to the day. Was uh, it, 11, 11.30 breakfast, if you will. Okay, well, that's, that's lunch. Okay, so was the Guinness warm or cold? It, I will give them credit. It was it was at that nice little room temperature, which, which from what I understand, Guinness is typically served at more of a room temperature than cold. Yeah. So I appreciated seeing that. Good level of foam, nice head, decent body, but I'm going to compare it to the real thing in a couple of weeks. I'll report back then. And, and I'll just say that I'll be able to record all of it because I'll be the sober one with my phone out. <laughs> yes. Watch. Well, what's going to be what's going to be your food review thing? What are you going to are you going to go uh, bread in the bakery? Because that soda bread I had there yesterday got me very excited for a, a real in Ireland Irish soda bread. I will say, you know, I, I'm going into this with uh, with no big plans. I want to just be engrossed in the culture and, and see where that takes me. You're going to let the Irish people sweep you away, aren't yeah, you? exactly. Exactly. All right. It's getting closer. Again, that was Always End With Food. Uh, feel free to follow again at Instagram, Always End With Food, or at COL Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you've lasted this long, be sure to like and subscribe and check out that live take app as well. Have a good week. Have a good week.